0: Hello there Normanites, I'm Zach Logsdon and welcome to I Am Norman, a podcast about Norman, Oklahoma. As I record these words, we are in the midst of an international pandemic. Schools and businesses are closed, gatherings of more than a few people are restricted, and we're under a stay-at-home order, all aimed at curbing the spread of the COVID-19 virus. Inevitably, during times like this, many of us, including myself, feel helpless. Healthcare workers and law enforcement are on the front lines keeping us safe and many people are risking their health by continuing to ensure that we have access to the essentials like food, gas, and medicine, while many of us sit at home wishing there were something we could do to help. Some people are sewing masks from their homes, some businesses have converted to manufacturing medical supplies or hand sanitizer, but me, well, I work in marketing. I can create marketing campaigns, design logos or websites, I can produce videos. But in situations like this, I feel pretty helpless. So, I decided to start a podcast about our community and the people in it. This podcast is about them, their stories, their challenges, and what they're going through during this time. My hope is that while we're all social distancing and feeling so far apart, this podcast might help everyone feel a little bit more united and understand that we're not alone. And we'll get through this together. So sit back, relax, and enjoy. I am Norman. Hey everybody, this is Zach Logs and welcome to another episode of the podcast. Thank you very much for joining us. Before I I jump in, I do want to tell a quick story about my guest today. 20 years ago or so, a young man by the name of Zach Logsdon started uh, a job, his dream job, at the University of Oklahoma Athletics Department. Zach had grown up a huge Sooner uh, football fan, Sooner sports fan, was even named after an OU football player. That's how immersed in the culture his family was. and. He started his dream job and as a graphic designer at the Oklahoma Athletics Department and and very soon after met a man by the name of Matt McMillan, director of football operations under Bob Stoops. And Matt uh, quickly took Zach under his wing, was very kind to the young man and uh, made him feel welcome and was just uh, an awesome person, an awesome person to learn from and be around. And that is the man I have with me today. I of course am that young man uh, that is no longer such a young man, and, and Matt was Matt McMillan <laughs> has joined me, uh, former director of football operations at the University of Oklahoma uh, football program, and former director of football operations for the XFL's Dallas Renegades. Matt, thanks so much. being on the podcast today.
1: Absolutely, I, it, that was a long time ago. Twenty years. I mm-hmm. think we both had hair back then.
0: Yes, I did. I did. But, I was... uh, yeah,
1: time time does fly, that's for sure.
0: Uh, Matt, uh, again, thanks for, for being on. Start by telling us a little bit about yourself and your career in sports.
1: Well, I grew up in uh, the Gateway to Opportunity, Salina, Kansas. <laughs> yeah. And uh, <laughs> the home of Heartland Hospitality. And then uh, went to uh, K-State for college and then uh, – After that, I worked for Kansas State for uh, 10 years, from 1987 to 1997, as Associate Athletic Director. Um, Worked primarily in fundraising and marketing. I started out there as the uh, director of Catbacker Clubs. They kind of got a grassroots uh, support base there. So we had about 20, 25 uh, Catbacker groups throughout the, the state that we would go and visit and take coaches there and have fundraisers and those types of things. It's a great job. And, uh, I was there, there was the one downside was I was, my first two years there, we didn't win a football game mm. and a st- Stan, Stan Parrish was the coach. And then, uh, in 1989 came a guy named Phil Snyder. Heard of him. Yeah. And brought, yeah, and brought with him, uh, Bob Stoops and Mike Stoops and Mark Mangino and that, that crew. And, uh, and they got things turned around, but it did take a long time. Mm-hmm. Remember the uh, the first my first game in 1987. The Wildcats were playing Austin P. So you, you know you're thinking on paper. Surely we can win this one. <laughs> and, uh, and 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 to boost attendance, we had after the uh, immediately after the game a Willie Nelson concert. So we're playing the game. We're doing well. We're up. Uh, Austin P. Scores on the last play of the game to beat us. Uh-huh. And and then. Uh, the clouds open, and we have a driving rainstorm for the Willie Nelson concert. <laughs> I look up, and there's about 13 people in the stands. <laughs> and I go, oh, boy, what am I getting myself into here? So he played for, like, one song, and then that was over, and, and, wow. and it was a complete disaster. But, yeah, it was tough. But when uh, you know Snyder got there and changed the culture, it was a neat – I wasn't on the football side then, but it was a, it was really neat to watch – uh, how he changed the culture there because it was just so lackadaisical and people didn't care and, and really believed that they would never get it turned around. Mm-hmm. You know, futility you and, and all those monikers. Uh, but boy, they, uh, they stayed the course and, uh, the first game that they ever won. And if you ask Bob Stoops what's one of his favorite victories of all time is his, uh, that first year when Kansas State beat North Texas mm-hmm. on a last second poll it's just it's just what they needed so bad now we didn't win another one that year but it was just such a you know those guys were so hungry for something good to happen that it was it was neat to see and then they i was there when they won uh won their first bowl game you know and those types of things so it's it's hard to uh remember k-state as being that bad but uh i was right in the middle of it yeah great experience there though i like manhattan and and uh we were all about the same age, and none of us had kids, and and so we had a, a great time. In addition to working hard there,
0: so then you uh, you followed, uh, you, you took you took a break from athletics for for a short period, and then and then came to I, Norman with with uh, with Coach Stoops, right?
1: I did. I went to uh, Denver for two years and worked for the National Cattlemen's Beef Association, which is the trade association for the beef industry. Mm-hmm. And uh, it was a great job, but I was just I missed sports more than i thought i would and then when bob got the job uh at oklahoma i was fish tailing out of the uh out of the driveway i couldn't get here fast enough
0: <laughs> and you've been uh, in norman ever since right
1: yeah yeah so uh, you're right so long it's, it's uh i haven't lived anywhere as long as i've lived here so i call norman home now That's and great. it's a it's a great place to live and, and i was really fortunate above all else in this business to not have to move while my kids were going through school. I mean, it's almost unheard of to be at one place for 19 or 20 years. Absolutely. So that was, that was pretty neat. Yeah.
0: So for those that don't know, uh, what does a director of football operations do on a day-to-day basis?
1: Well, um, I guess the simplest way to say it is you, you manage the program by being the point person in all the different areas. So you, you'd be the liaison with your, uh, your facets within the football program, like strength and conditioning, uh, sports medicine, nutrition, video, recruiting, and then you're also the liaison with other parts of the university, the administration, uh, compliance, academics, those types of things. And then I was the point person too with the O club and, and uh, some of those uh, exterior uh, groups. And you just you try to uh, you try to take everything off the head coach's plate so he can he can worry about x's and o's and and coaching and and uh we used to say that I was the I was the coach of the office so gotcha. you're kind of the point person the the air, the air traffic controller and try to keep everybody uh, moving in the same direction yeah makes sense
0: so I want to talk about your time at OU but but let's talk about the XFL cuz it's top of mind and 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 in our news feeds right now uh it was uh it was unsuccessful the first time around the xfl attempted uh, years ago and then uh, another league uh the aaf alliance of american football failed as well but a lot of people were saying that the xfl was doing it right this time uh, and and was positioned for success um so and uh, you got a few games in and then a a global pandemic strikes um and and season was cancelled um uh, but, but do you feel like it was headed in a good direction? Was it, in fact, from your perspective, position for success?
1: I think, without question, if it wasn't for this pandemic, that they would have been successful. By all of their markers in terms of ticket sales, uh, sponsorships, uh, all those types of things, they were they were thrilled with the results. And it's just it's just a shame because they got we got five games in, and uh, and then they had to pull the plug. And then I think with Uh, The league was owned by Vince McMahon of the WWE, Mm -hmm. and they're not in operation right now either. And I just think they ran out of cash. And and with the uncertainty of what college football and the NFL are going to do in the fall, you know, where they're going to maybe if they move to the spring or something like that, there's all those scenarios out there. I think it was just it was too hard of a risk for them to figure to to keep going because there's just so much uncertainty because it doesn't make any sense for us to play in front of no fans. Right. So, you know, those types of things. So they did a a wonderful job of setting the league up. Uh, We had eight teams. We had four in the West, and we had four in the East. And um, they had uh, uh, really great coaches. They had June Jones and Jonathan Hayes and, of course, Bob Stoops. And then uh, uh, Mark Trussman and some of those guys. Mm -hmm. But they also, what people didn't realize is, is that the talent, the football talent, it was really good football. These players were you got to imagine these guys are the last cuts of the NFL so they're right on the bubble right and some of our, some, some of our guys have been in the NFL for three or four years. and uh, And since then I think we've signed uh, five guys just from the renegades into the NFL. Uh, the guys have gotten contracts since we folded. So it was really really good football and I thought the people in Stanford, Connecticut at the headquarters, I thought they were fantastic. If you had a problem or you had a question or whatever, they were so quick to get back with you. And the people that I reported to were fantastic and everybody was on the same page and wanting the league to succeed. And they did a they did a great job too of making sure that since they owned all eight teams, that they made sure that they're, you know, one team didn't have an advantage over another in certain areas. So they tried to keep things very even and it's just a shame. I you know, it's a I think they had a payroll of well over a thousand people, and you know, guys are out on the street now. So it's you know, with a lot of other industries as well, it's a shame that they had to pull.
0: So talk about the uh, communication – You you mentioned you know, people out on the streets, the the, the jobs uh, lost. Uh, did, you know, I read I think just yesterday. You know, for all intents and purposes, XFLs closed their doors. They're they're, they're done, um, and left owing a lot of vendors and people, individuals a lot of money. Were were they communicating with you guys throughout? You know, from the time of the shutdown through through now, or were you hearing things kind of as as the rest of the world heard things?
1: It was uh, it was strange because you know word word usually leaks out, and the day before they called it, which was uh, a week ago yesterday, um, well they call they they sent out an email to everybody. It's called an all hands call, so it means everybody gets on the call. So there's you know a bunch bunch of people on there, and when I saw that, I'm thinking you know what they're probably going to furlough everybody for two or three months, something like that. And, uh, you know, so people can keep their benefits. But I would have certainly understood, you know, having to cut the season short that that would be fair. Uh, But then we got on the call and it was uh, Jeffrey Pollock, the president, and he kind of read a prepared statement. And I bet the call wasn't three minutes. He didn't take any questions and it was it was over. So it was kind of uh, stunning that way. And and I think I don't think anybody knew other than maybe two or three people. So it was uh, very swift, very corporate. Uh, but I also understand it too. I mean, it's 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 a hard thing to do, and I think they just you know kind of ripped the Band-Aid off and let's move on down the road. So uh, they 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 paid people through the end of uh, through the end of the year, which was good. Um, and when they called it uh, after five games, they they paid for player transportation home, either flights or reimbursement for mileage. Mm-hmm. Uh, they paid them through their contract. They did a really good job of doing everything the right way. So. I've got no complaints. It was a great experience. I wish it would have worked. We were really looking forward to year two, um, but it didn't work out.
0: Do you, you think this is the, you know, like like I mentioned earlier, the XFL tried and, and failed, tried again, and, and now because of this pandemic, failed. So do, you, do you think this is the last we see of the XFL, or could you see, you know, after a, a period of time, them trying to raise funds and, and relaunch down the road?
1: Never say never. <laughs> you know, they've got all this, <laughs> they've got all the equipment, they've got I mean they spent a fortune on on uh facilities on you know equipment uh, blocking sleds footballs helmets all this stuff so I don't know what the plan is I have no idea I I hope they give it another run in a couple of years I don't know if they will or not but I do think that that if it proved anything I think it proved that there's an appetite for spring football I know that you know college basketball and the NBA uh, but I just think there's a segment of our population that loves football that much that it could it could be successful. And I'm 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 convinced that had we not run into this pandemic, we would have been successful.
0: Yeah, there there were some uh, some I guess innovations uh, that, that that I read about the XFL in regards to you know mainly surrounding gambling and, and making it a more enjoyable experience for gamblers. Think different things they could bet on. Do you see? Um, uh, that being those, those things being adapted or adopted by the nfl um or, were they that popular
1: well i'm not really in tune with the gambling aspect of it but we did have a couple of rule changes that that coach Stoops really like um one of them was the uh there's no extra points just the pat kick mm-hmm. you either go from you either go for one two or three points so you can make a nine-point play, which is kind of cool. That'd be from the ten-yard line, two-point, two-point play from the five, and a one-point play from the three. So there's a different strategy involved, and, and you know, usually a, a a PAT is just you're not even watching it because it's right, it's, it's automatic, given, yeah. automatic most of the time. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So th- that was a that was a new deal. Um, they had a they had a uh, an overtime rule. We never had an overtime game, but they would do it like a soccer shoot shootout where each team gets the ball uh, five times and the team that scores the most from there would win the game. That was kind of cool too. And then the kickoff, they had, uh, they had both teams 10 yards apart on the other end of the field where you're kicking it. Mm -hmm. Because again, they didn't want to have just every time you're kicking off it's going through the end zone and then you go to commercial. So you would actually be penalized if you kicked it out of the end zone. So, what they were doing was encouraging returns, and then they were also decreasing uh, the possibility of injuries because the guys are only ten yards apart. So when the guy would catch the ball, the uh, referee would signal, and uh, and then the uh, the team that kicked off could, could move, and you know the offense could maybe run a zone play or something like that. And there were some there were some good returns, and St. Louis had a uh, had a reverse for a touchdown, which is pretty cool, uh, but it just it decreases the um, the collision, you know, guys running down there full speed, the big guys, and so that was a neat rule too. And I wouldn't be surprised if the NFL looks at all three of those things. That is, uh, that'll be oh, a little... <clears throat> Go ahead. Yeah, they're they're pretty slow to change, uh, <laughs> obviously, but, but uh, it's something to look at at least. That was, you know, if, even if you ask Coach Stoops, he wasn't crazy about the kickoff thing when they explained it to him. But then when he saw it, he goes, "You know what? That's really neat. That's a good way to do it."
0: Uh, be interesting to see hopefully uh, some of those things come about especially things that can uh, cut down on injuries let's uh let's switch no gears and talk about your time uh with stoops at, at ou you came as we mentioned uh to norman in 1999 uh worked alongside him uh the entire time he was here and, and you can see you have seen firsthand uh how dependent uh universities and the communities around them are on on football revenue uh my question to you: uh, I know that it's up in the air as to if this will happen or not, but how important is it that college football season happens this year in some way, shape, or form?
1: Oh, I think it's I think it's of great importance. I think it'd be catastrophic if if they didn't play. I really do. You think about just in Norman, and I don't know what I don't know what the economic impact is to this city on every home game, but let's say it's eight million dollars times six that's almost 50 million dollars mm-hmm. that that the city of norman will be missing out on and there's uh i just i just think i hope and i think that they will find a way to play um hopefully it won't be without fans but you know maybe they play in the spring i know joe c and joe harris are are looking at all these different scenarios of to be ready in in a month or two or three whenever you know we're cleared to to do whatever and and uh you know, it may be a delayed start. It may be, you know, playing the spring. I think, I think that they're going to do whatever they have to do to play. Mm-hmm. And if you'd have to delay it to the spring semester, then then so be it. But I think that they'll do whatever they can to to make it happen.
0: Who do you think that decision is ultimately up to? Is it is it the athletic directors, university presidents? Is it up to the NCAA? Who, who's making that decision?
1: Well, I think all three of those are are going to work together uh, along with. Uh, health officials to see what's, uh, you know, the, the most important thing is keeping people safe mm-hmm. for sure. I mean, without a doubt. Uh, but if they get to a level where they feel that um, they can manage risk of of people getting it and protect the health of the players and the coaches and the, and the coaching staffs, I think that, uh, that they'll find a way to do it. But uh, I don't know ultimately who has, who makes that decision, probably the NCAA, mm-hmm. With input from different schools and athletic directors, such as Joe Stiglione.
0: So, how does this impact bowl games? I mean, we're so used to spending December watching the, the various bowl games. You know, and, and cold weather uh, is is a part of that. Uh, if the season starts in January or February, does that mean we're going to have a be watching a Rose Bowl parade on May first?
1: I think you would. <laughs> as strange as it sounds, I mean, it's yeah. What are we going to do all December? Watch. Uh, uh, Elf and and (laughs) a Christmas story on the marathon. I guess so. Um, Yeah. I, I think again, the bulls are probably doing all their different scenarios, scenarios as well. Like if we have to play in May or whatever, you know, let's talk about the facilities. Let's talk about the, you know, everything changes. It's, 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 it's unbelievable the amount of planning that goes into these things. And then to throw them a curveball like this pandemic, uh, it, it just blows your mind about you know all of the different things that you've got to think about and moving and but again I think they'll be just, just like, you know college football if you've got to adapt you're going to find a way to do it because I think there's a lot of money at stake
0: what does it do to the player I mean I- to have a spring football season and immediately, you know, best case scenario, I assume, you know, everything's back to normal. And then you have a, a two 2021 seasons, basically you, you play in the spring of, of 2021 and then turn around and play, uh, start, start back in August, September of 2021. Um, I mean, the, you, you typically rely on spring football practice to get ready. Is this, would this actually be a good thing for these, for these football prog- programs? Cause they don't have to, take as much time off? I mean, they're more prepared when September rolls around because they played all spring.
1: Well, I hadn't thought about that, but you bring up a good point. Um, I think there would be plenty of time for, for uh, players to recover and be ready for the following fall. Um, so I, you know, I don't know. It's uh, there's, there's so many ways to think about it. And even if you're delaying, saying we're all going to play in the fall, but you're delaying the start date of when these guys can come back and start practicing. You know, you want them to be in, in great shape to play the game. So, what's that? Is that June one? Is that July one? You know, you, you you see different people saying we need three three months to get ready, we need two months to get ready, and I don't know that anybody knows the magic number, but you want the players in in great shape so they can play the game and, and avoid injury, and uh, and again at the same time stay safe.
0: Absolutely, lots of decisions to be made, and and I, I I'm, I'm very glad that I'm not one of the people that, uh, that has to make them.
1: Um, I'm with you. I'm with you. As,
0: as a Norman guy, <laughs> I want to talk about the morale, uh, in these communities, Norman specifically. Um, you know, we, we, we Sooner fans that rely uh, pretty heavily on Sooner football just for the, you know, not just the economic impact, but just, you know, fall, fall Saturdays without Sooner football would be a huge morale, uh, hit. what, what does it, what would it mean to the rebound of, of Norman, Oklahoma, or to any college town really, uh, to, to be able to play, uh, football again at, at does that, does that make sense? Am I, do, am my, am I asking a question that even makes yeah. sense? Yeah.
1: Okay. Yeah. I, I do think though that the, the number one thing on people's minds are, are themselves and, you know, either retaining their job or, or starting a new job or, and, you know, getting your, your life back together. I think that that's, foremost on everybody's mind of course and you know you gotta think if you hadn't been working in a while because of this or whatever the first thing probably go is gonna be football tickets
0: mm-hmm.
1: and those types of things so it's just a, a, a big hardship on everybody right now but I think that once it does get going again people are gonna be so enthused you know I've talked to people that just can't wait to go start a tab at a bar or a restaurant and you know get back get back into the swing of things so It'll be interesting to see but i think that uh yeah if we weren't playing in the fall it would definitely be different but um i think people would understand and and certainly use that time to kind of get their lives going again and then if they did play in the spring uh you know embrace it then it'd be funny too i mean those uh, those games would be say you played in january february march it could be some very very cold football games
0: Absolutely. That's uh, I've heard that talked about a lot. I mean, talk about up north, the, the snowstorms and, and cold weather of, of February. uh be a, a yeah. time to, to play a, a Wisconsin football game.
1: Um, so yeah. switching
0: gears again and talking uh, uh, off the topic of sports and onto the topic of, of Matt McMillan, uh, since the cancellation of the XFL season, I have to imagine that you've – had some unexpected extra time on your hands. What are you uh, What are you doing these days to keep yourself busy? Knowing, I mean, I know you're not going to the gym, or a restaurant, or a bar. What are you doing?
1: Well, I pick up dog poop in the backyard. <laughs> Do that every day. Yeah, that's fun. <laughs> I've, I've I've done some yard work. I've done. I've uh, cleaned the uh, garage. I've cleaned my closet. I've cleaned uh, <laughs> everything. <laughs> be clean. The uh, when everybody goes back to work, their homes will be in tip-top shape. I promise you that. But uh it's been a time where we've had a chance to kind of catch up on some things that you kind of let let go during the you know during the season, so that's been good uh but i'm I'm to the point now where I'm ready to get back to work but uh I've been working some, uh, some you know we, we, it's kind of up in the air right now too in terms of what we're going to do next, but work with the uh, Head ball coach Champions Foundation, which is a a charity that we started with uh, Coach Stoops back in two thousand and uh it helps uh uh, either ill or uh, at risk, need uh, children with need in Oklahoma City and Norman, and so we've done uh, done that for a long time, and and uh, anxious to kind of get uh, that thing ramped up again once once we can uh, do some events where some people can come and participate. So that's kept me busy too, and so I'm just kind of kind of on hold right now.
0: Are you a cook? Have you been spending some time in the kitchen
1: uh, cooking for the family? Oh still been unbelievable actually my wife is the cook okay, i'm kind of the sous chef help her out where i can and i'm uh i've been on the grill a lot i've yep. been on the grill so that's uh that's a help <laughs> uh but i am uh i'm really fat right now i'm not gonna lie really fat we've been eating a lot it's like we, every time we go to the store we buy like four times the amount of stuff that we actually need i know i'm with and I don't you know, i don't i don't know you when we do that at the liquor store too i don't know we are we are stocked up. I'll tell you that.
0: We're buying this stuff that that I, uh, I we've never bought. Like, I mean, just uh, junk food. Like, and I'm looking at my wife, like, what? Wh- why is this okay now? Why? Wh- I, you know, I've been trying to get you to buy this stuff for years. Why? why I guess I guess when you're in, during a pandemic, and you're locked in the house, I, all rules go out the window as far as healthy eating goes. Because we're getting frozen pizzas and, and potato skins. And,
1: oh yeah. And, and,
0: and I'm with you. I'm, I've put on <laughs> so much weight; it's, it's ridiculous.
1: It was funny. I uh, yesterday I was talking to my friend Clark Stroud, mm-hmm. and uh, he he said, "What are you doing?" I go, "I'm on my way to the store." And he's a uh, a known germaphobe. I mean, he's he's taking the social distancing, I mean, to a T. When he yeah. comes over, uh, he'll sit only in the backyard, about ten yards away from me. So I love he's, it. he's the only guy I know is taking it that seriously. And he goes, "Hey, can you get me some stuff there?" I don't want to go to the store. I go, "Yeah, that'd be that'd be fine." Uh, I go text me the list. So I get to the store. And it's Pringles, uh, Cheetos, pretzels. <laughs> there wasn't one good thing on the list. It was yeah. crazy. Cookies, all this stuff. Goes I love food. it. Stack food. I love it. Ken, so, you- we're, 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 it's, it's been, uh, it's been my, my son who's in college is here, so that's been good. And then we've seen my other son uh, who lives in Oklahoma City a couple of times. So it's it's been getting caught up on, on family time because I was living in Dallas uh, since December. So yeah. that part of it's been good so uh you know
0: during you know when, when things like this happen, I think a lot of us realize the the little things in life that we were taking for granted um that that we miss and never realize that we would miss them because we probably never realized they'd be taken away from us when all this is said and done and life gets back to normal what's something uh what's a little thing you'll never take for granted again
1: I think having a job. be real honest with you
0: yeah okay fair
1: fair enough (laughs) sure i've i've never been fired before but i got fired last friday with the rest of us and so you just i don't know i think you just always assume you're going to have a job and and things are going to be great and then uh you know something like this happens and there's a lot of people that don't have jobs and it's it's scary and it's and it's uh you know, a big inconvenience, especially if there's somebody that's a little bit older getting ready to retire, and then all of a sudden it's you know it's just just been hard that way. So I would I would say that, and just uh, everyday things of you miss your colleagues at work. You know, we've been we've been zooming and doing all that stuff to kind of stay in touch with people. But uh, I think just to me, daily interaction with people is what I miss more than anything. Yeah,
0: Be, being within ten yards of of Clark Stroud, you miss that?
1: No, I don't miss that at all. <laughs> I'm, I hear you. 20, 20 would be better. Twenty
0: would be better. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Last. <laughs> we, we, uh...
1: Go ahead. Go ahead. Yeah,
0: go ahead. I was going to say uh, um, last and question, and 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 then I'll let you go. I I was going to ask. Uh, you know, you're you you are out and about town a lot. I know. I I see you around Norman uh, quite a bit at uh, different yep. different hot spots. When you can finally get back out there and eat inside. Uh, at a bar, restaurant, to coffee shop, wherever. What's your favorite place to go and what do you get there?
1: Well, I like, uh, I like all the House Smith offerings. You know, they've got everything from the Garage and Louis to uh, Red Rock and Winston and, and uh, uh, Neighborhood Jam. Those are all great places, great food, great service. Um, I enjoy uh, El Toro Chino, uh, which is a local place, uh, Benvenuti's uh benvenuti's and valare are a couple of great places as well and and uh i'll tell you what i, I tried to go the other day and they were closed is center dairy lunch oh yeah and great, uh great place great little we'll, we'll drive-in great place um, to get a burger and yeah little we'll drive-in i thought they might be open but they were closed but there's norman norman is a neat place in that they've got a lot of little hole in the walls so and they're and things like that that are so good and so I don't know exactly uh, what I'm going to hit first, but I'm going to hit all of them. <laughs> I, I, sure. I, I,
0: I was going to say I think you just listed every restaurant in Norman. Uh, so <laughs> I, I, I don't know if you're, you're you're trying to get some free you know free food at these places when this is all said and done by by plugging them on on our podcast or what. But
1: uh, I, well, it doesn't doesn't, doesn't hurt, doesn't right? Hurt.
0: Yeah. Matt, uh, thanks so much uh, for being a part of the podcast. Is there are you a, are you a Twitter guy or a Instagram? Is there anything you want to throw out there for people to, to follow you or get in contact with you? Or are you, you going to stay silent?
1: I'm going to stay silent. I'm too old, Zach. I, I, uh, you know, I have a few frescas and then I put something on, uh, put something <laughs> out there. So I, I'm better off just staying offline.
0: I hear you. I hear you. Well, to all my listeners, thank you so much for listening. Stay tuned for many more episodes to come. Thanks again, Matt. Thanks,
1: Zach. Walk with me, Susie Lee, through the park and by the tree. We will rest upon the
0: ground. The I Am Norman podcast is brought to you by The Hall at the Railhouse, Norman's premier event space and the heart of downtown. When all of this is said and done and life gets back to normal, the one thing we'll all be looking to do is celebrate with our friends and families. Weddings, receptions, corporate events, luncheons, banquets, proms, parties, and more. If you're looking for a place to celebrate life, we hope you'll choose The Hall at the Railhouse. For more information, please visit therailhousenorman.com or call 405-778-0003. I Am Norman is sponsored in part by Old Hat Creative. Old Hat is a strategic marketing and branding firm located right here in downtown Norman. From websites, corporate identity, graphic design, video production, and more, Old Hat can help any organization achieve their marketing goals. For more information, visit oldhatcreative.com or email info at
1: oldhatcreative.com.